Hello and welcome to the Shades of Green podcast. I'm Juanita Garcia and you'll soon hear me joined by Bryant Williams and our guest Tony Anderson. This is part two of our conversation with Tony Anderson at the Sacred Keeper Sustainability Lab. So I can't help but like, you know, as I look at Juanita behind her, there's a picture, an amazing picture of Aaron in Kenya, in Aaron's yeah, let's get, yeah. Um, so, Aww, talk about know, and I'm trying to, like, how did you come up with the idea to take the, um, the, the sky, the, the sky council to Kenya? Like, what, what, you know, like, was that always the plan or one day you just woke up and was like, you know what, I'm going to take these <laughs> kids to the motherland, you know, like what, what was up with that? It was always the plan in our strategic design, um, okay. our logic model of the, of, of, <clears throat> of the program to have a hyper-local focus with a global focus yeah, tie. Like the bridger would be, you know, how can we look at, like if you take the Bronzeville community and you are hyper-local focused on um, the assets here mm-hmm. um, that are both social and environmental and how, you know, the lack of that particular asset um, or the weakness of that asset is it needs to be shored up by this. I charge you, youth council, to shore up this resource um, and to model it uh, for how community members need to understand participatory community building in an eco- ecological perspective needs to be moved into a priority for our community. What's, I'm, I'm sorry, let me jump in. What's your educational background, Tony? Like, Sociology. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, that explains it. What did you do in the corporate in the corporate world before? Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing and then um, lots of uh, strategic portfolio management. That's okay. what I did a lot of at Earthlink. And that was basically processes and structures okay. and understanding how everything through the throughputs are, are synergized. Yeah. That, but hearing that you studied sociology makes so that answers so yeah. many questions. <laughs> um, but knowing that you worked in marketing, we'll have to have a separate conversation yeah, we'll later a, yeah. about uh, about uh, BK Environmental Industries. So we'll, oh yes, 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 we'll talk so, about that. But um, so <laughs> it had always been a part of the plan to go to Kenya. I apologize for that. I've always been a part part of the plan to have a global focus yeah. on how because the mission statement it was written into Sacred Keepers that we would understand our consumption values through the study of indigenous mm-hmm. cultures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And through the study of indigenous cultures, how you know that a capitalistic materials economy mm-hmm. and our need to have everything is affecting the most vulnerable of our indigenous cultures. Yeah. And in understanding that vulnerability and that exploitation that is going on in the indigenous cultures of the world when it comes to um, their freedoms to their own land and their own resources as more of those things become um, exploited and removed, the cultures that go with that um, will also die. Um, And so in the culture death, the cultural death of this indigenous blueprint that we've all been giving through the generations, even if you don't know your African ancestry Mm -hmm. or you're not necessarily living in your, you know, South American, Mm -hmm. Mexican lineage. Mm -hmm. The the knowledge that we hold in our communities come through the sacred keeping of those value Mm -hmm. systems. Mm 
Mm. How we consume, how we relate, how we grow community, it really comes out of the value systems that are handed throughout the generations. So the whole sacred keeping Mm -hmm. is about what did you learn that is most um, sacred about who you are and how you move through the world, but also how do those things affect how you consume and how you sustain or not sustain culture. So it was always our focus to focus on the stories of how that shows up in our community yeah. hyperlocally, but then how can we how can we open up opportunities to study that same exact paradigm globally? Right. So I was on the board of an organization called My Chosen Vessels that I yeah. helped found and create um, with Jessica Sensati, another Giving Tuesday <laughs> organization that y'all need to be up on. Um, her name is Jessica Sensati. MyChosenVessels.org. She's amazing. And she, um, um, I had the pleasure of just kind of like sitting at the very beginning of this organization and helping her shape the ideas that were about like, I, she went to Kenya, she came back, she was an artist, all about arts and, mm-hmm. and like um, women's rights within, you know, mm-hmm. female yeah. genital, uh, mutilation and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and how do we get these women to like resource themselves yeah. um, through their jewelry and culture making? Um, and when she got there and had these like pie in the sky good dreams of like, you know, the Kenyan women just need beads and the Kenyan women <laughs> just need us to give a crap and we're gonna go into these schools and do this stuff. And then she looked back and she's like, they have no time because they have no water because the girls of the village spent the majority of their day going to get water. So her first thing was, I can't do any of this other stuff until we figure out a way to get water. And hey, sacred keepers, since you're all about sustainability, what are you going to do to help? And so uh, I was just like, I don't know. You should talk to the engineers about borders. (laughs) And she filled out the application and and we we walked through that process and she did a whole lot of work for about three years just seeding the village wow. um, in, in Kenya and, and growing that relationship and getting on the ground and figuring out a way to hand this to them versus do it for them. Yeah. And she was just paramount in that sustainable approach. And there's so many people that go over to Africa to do the rescuing. Yeah. Americans going to go in and yeah. do the right thing. and. Yeah. And there's no real synergy with the community Mm -hmm. to say, this Mm -hmm. is your project, and we're going to do what we need to do to grow that so that you can take care of it once I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So that was how it started. And then once the project was getting to the point of implementation, that's when I knew that this was the opportunity to... um, to start working with her, because I was already working with her as a board member. Right. Um, but uh, there, I was waiting, the kids were kind of in the background waiting yeah. for the project to come to implementation before I could involve um, myself with her programmatically as a partner. Yeah. The first year was 2014 that you went? Yes. Was, okay. 2015. 2015. 2015. Oh, okay. 2015. was our first year, and that was just the actual water being, the borehole yeah. actually being um, installed with Engineers Without Borders, and we took some of the leadership from the council to just go and cool. see what's wh- what's what. <laughs> and then, speaking of water, um, in the fight for 
safe and clean drinking water. You just returned from North Dakota a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, at Standing Rock. Yeah. What was your experience like there? Oh, God. Y'all are going to have to part three Speaking this. Speaking of yeah. indigenous. Um, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it with, in, in 2016, we went back with the kids to do reforestation. And now that the water's flowing, what can we grow to put this climate back? And then after that, um, and I'm leading up to North Dakota, the the Chinese occupation of Kenya mm-hmm. is robust right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the railroad project that's coming from Zimbabwe to Mombasa is mm-hmm. kind of moving through pretty rapidly. Okay. We did not predict that they would occupy Kimuka, the village that we were working in. That kind of just literally in two months, it just happened kind of overnight. Wow. And we knew that a portion of the railroad might affect the project, but we didn't know that they would actually put a base for the railroad project right. being built on that end directly in Kimuka, the village that we were working in. Wow. And it's caused somewhat of an un- unrest situation with laborers coming in yeah. from, you know, the population to the village has grown, you know, yeah. to like 2,000 people from that aren't Maasai have moved into, from Kikuyu and other tribes have moved into Kimoka and it's mm-hmm. caused some conflict. And so when that conflict was first coming up, um, we kind of knew that the 2017 trip for the council could not be Kimoka. Right. So we have already started to think about what can we do on the soil yeah. because we've got indigenous cultures right here in America going through the exact same thing gotcha. yeah. that Flint's going through mm-hmm. the same thing that, I mean, we've done we work in Flint. We, the water uh, scarcity is an issue for the most vulnerable <clears throat> of our communities. And mm-hmm. um, on a personal note, you know, trying to, Erin, the big, beautiful picture that you referred to is my daughter, and mm-hmm. us trying to figure out our Native ancestry and getting back into that story um, unapologetically because, you know, without our, the black community feel like, feeling like we're abandoning <laughs> our blackness, which mm-hmm. is a whole nother podcast. Um, but uh, it was just the case that my spirit and my heart has been called to the Native American culture here yeah. and what we can do to um, show up for them. Yeah. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, literally. Literally. Um, around the same time that Kenya was falling apart, North Dakota, you know, that, that protest started in April. Yeah. And so we'd already been kind of getting word that things were weird and something yeah. was taking place in this yeah. pipeline and we didn't know. And as time went on, you know, we had already started talking to different tribal communities you know, throughout the Midwest on what we could do to get the council the training and exposure that they needed to get ready for what yeah. we thought would be mm-hmm. a trip to the Navajo and Hopi in the Grand Canyon region. And then um, then the bottom fell out of North Dakota mm-hmm. and we kind of felt like the time to act is now, mm-hmm. so let's get there. And, and like Kenya that first year, I took some of my youth leaders to North Dakota. Oh, wow. So some of the... Yeah. Oh, I didn't... I thought you went alone. You no. took some of the... Yeah, I took some of the... Yeah, I took the council with yeah. me. One of our new Sky Council members uh, and a couple of old ones. And uh, we went to just see... The, the oldest of the Sky Council members is what, like 20... 
No, no, the oldest of the Sky Council, um, well, we have a vet, but she's not active anymore, okay. but uh, they're all senior freshmen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the oldest are freshmen in college now, a lot okay. of them went away. Okay. Um, we have one that would be a junior, um, and then the rest of them are all like... Getting ready to leave high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and most of them I've had since they were in middle school. Yeah. So it's been a long haul. Because yeah. <laughs> some of my kids I've had since the Camp Butterfly days. So yeah. I've had them for a while. But um, it's so important for them to see that struggle. Like see that, that actual fight. You know, that see what you actually, you know, these, these, these comforts that we have were not given to us. We fought every step of the way for them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I talk, um, <clears throat> I get, we were talking about this earlier. I did a um, presentation for uh, a couple um, students at Loyola. Uh, they asked me to join this panel, this um, speaking green panel that they did at Patagonia a couple week, uh, mm-hmm. couple weekends ago. And um, one of the students, it was just like literally the Friday after the um, the election, and um, all these you know kids, specifically white kids, were like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm so concerned, and you know, what can we do that what you know, what can they allow us to do? It's like, no, they don't allow you to do anything. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, what you feel is right and just, you have to go and fight for it. Yeah. You're not, they're not just going to give you something. They're not going to write that policy for yeah. you because they think it's the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah. 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 It's a capitalist society. It's yeah. like you were saying earlier. I mean, like, you know, you, um, fear, like we, we all love our fair trade coffee, but guess what? Capitalism is not based on fair trade. It's yeah. based on, you know, like, Exploitation and, and pillaging and, and raping and grabbing yeah. what it is they want. Exactly, exactly. You know. So yeah, it was it was important to see. Um, I preach a lot about proactive narrative. Like mm-hmm. people know, don't give me no violence to play in sacred keepers. It's on mm-hmm. us. It's always been on us, mm-hmm. and that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. And we can fight and yell and scream <clears> for <throat> justice. And I think that in some cases, it's rightfully so. But make no mistake, even in those small wins, Mm -hmm. um, and in that space of complete solidarity that you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, we did it. It's on us. They're changing that one tiny little amendment for Mm -hmm. us. That's great. But at the end of the day, it's on us. It's going to be on us until we create a balance to that madness. Yeah, it's a never-ending It's a never-ending. Like, you know, so you it's don't like... take the time to celebrate. Just look at the next, what's next. Just celebrate. what's next. And, and know that that next looks like what we design. Yeah. And so when I went to Standing Rock, one of the biggest, it's like the most tragic, tragically beautiful place you will ever see. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anything would affect me more than some of the things that I saw and my travels to Kenya, because that was pretty profound, but mm-hmm. in Standing Rock, it's just, to know that everything that has bubbled up from there mm-hmm. has been out of self-creation. A yeah. proactive, this is what we want, so this is what it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes, we don't know how to birth that, birth that sort of creative, creative building without opposition and oppression being the impetus Mm. and I'm trying to like figure out what we can do as community to freely create that out of the vacuum of wanting that just want it I want a safe community I want a community that I can walk in I want a community that my daughter can bike safely to and from at night I want a community that 
that builds interdependence and community. Mm-hmm. I want that just because that's what I want. It's yeah. not out of opposition. Yeah. It's not out of a dynamic oppression that makes me go, oh, I've got to innovate. Yeah. Because it's a lot of times... We hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like pursuit of happiness. Yeah. What happened to just, I want to do this because it's what should be done. So the yeah. beauty of, of Standing Rock is that there is this whole camp dedicated to the support of the front line that a lot of times you don't see because they don't allow it to be photographed. Um, but it's... My daughter received stellar health care while she was there. Mm. She had asthma issues um, when we arrived because of the cold and because of some other stuff that was going on that I will not put on this podcast. But let's just say there were some respiratory issues going on in the camp. And um, my daughter received acupuncture. In 24 hours, she received um, tinctures from herbologists that created her tinctures right there. She received an energy body work session. She received a nebulizer treatment in the middle of the night. She received, um, you know, acupuncture, all this stuff. And no money was changed. There were people who you ate the entire time you were there. And if you didn't want what was eaten in your camp, you went to somebody else's (laughs) camp and got some food. But we bought tons of food with us. Yeah. And everybody who showed up bought tons of food with them. Yeah. If you were cold and you didn't have a scarf, Somebody you went did. to go to the clothing donation tent and you got yourself a scarf. We brought yeah. tons of coats and yeah. uh, Bodhi Spiritual Center, which I'll give a little big call out to. It's my spiritual home. They dug in and gave us tons of, yeah. of I put the call out, we need donations of warmth and yeah. food. And we took tons of that stuff. But there was... Everybody came with something, and so the free sharing of that was evident everywhere you went. There was no need to need for anything, and that was all from our hand. We weren't expecting the Army Corps of Engineers to drop off food or water. We weren't expecting a governor to come and bring us coats. We weren't expecting a University of Chicago to come and give us a trauma center in the middle of... Right. We just wanted to that. that to, we, we, there was a necessity to care yeah. for, what, for one another. So yeah. for me, that's what the ultimate... My, I know that when I sat there, I became tearful because I didn't think I would see anything like that in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I thought I would... Oh, that you know, Once the bottom falls out and Zion is created, <laughs> that, you know, that, that that'll happen. But to see it in action... Um, in my lifetime was a very rewarding experience at the yeah. same time knowing um, the utter pain and devastation yeah. and the, the scary, scary thing that might be taking place elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that was also met. So it tempered a lot of my glee, yeah. but I know it's possible. I've seen it. Yeah. So now I was like, I feel like king. I've been to the mountaintop and I saw it. I took a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I have a model for how that can look in our community when we because yeah. the, the, the goal also like and my daughter said it she said uh, we were having these conversations about how to get more people to Standing Rock and how yeah. to get more youth to Standing Rock to stand up and my daughter said I think one of the things that we should also be focusing on is how to get Standing Rock to our community. Mm. And I was like Psh. And my truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, as I mentioned uh, before I came over here, I was at a, a stop by Ovejo's office, and one of the staffers there had went to Standing Rock. And, um, 
you know, she made a comment about like, you know, just one white supremacy should never seen it in that manner. Yeah. It was just so overwhelming. Oh God. That's the other half of yeah. the story is the yeah. the but, aggressive white glancing, the aggressive um um reigning of the narrative, which is what a lot of the elders are very concerned about right now is losing control of the narrative of all these white spacers, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going on, you know, and it was a couple of times that we kind of observed, you know, we went to the volunteer tent, they said, we need these signs made, we need this done, and we go over there and we're kind of like backed up by people who have kind of self-elected yeah. to control the space yeah. that were not native. Right. And, um, and that was, that happens, that, that's happening everywhere. But yeah. again, I challenge those people can only take control of things when we believe that they have more mastery than we do. Mm-hmm. And so when you allow people to come into your community because you assume that they are the gatekeepers on information or they're the yeah. gatekeepers on how to structure structure and organize people, mm-hmm. then you've outsourced your power. That's, and that's how that's yeah. the loophole that we keep creating in our community that's is there's the a, a consistent <laughs> assumption that they have more information about how we should be living our lives than we do. Yeah. And so as you know, Brian, I've been very aggressive about pushing people. I probably the sacred keepers would have 75 satellite sites and about a million dollars on the books right now if I said yes to all of these people who want to come in yeah. and try to control right. this organization. Yeah. And I've had to say no to that grant, no to this organization, mm-hmm. no to those volunteers, no to that internship program mm-hmm. because I am not interested as much as I want to grow yeah. and as much as I'd like for this to be everywhere, I am not going to lose control of my narrative, right. particularly the people who don't have more information about how I should be doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, you were successful running that bird program in your community <laughs> right. in that part of the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Down here, yeah. it looks different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is no expertise other than cash mm-hmm. that you can bring me mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as that cash is not accompanied with white glancing. Yeah, and not all money is good money. And not all money is good money. And I'm very, yeah. like, like we were talking before, the, before you guys started, is... I'm, I have to know very intimately who I'm in bed with right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm not just going to wake up and be like <laughs> like the drunk person after the Vegas bachelorette trip and you just roll over like, how did this happen? <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm, I, I think that it is important, especially as I watched in Standing Rock, there was a lot of people, even Native people who were like, you know, I felt my blackness show up a couple of times where there was this assumption that the white girl that I was standing next to was more um, helpful mm-hmm. or more resourced than what mm-hmm. I had to bring to that yeah. space. Yeah. And by natives of, yeah. oh, well, we're going to let her da 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 And I'm like, why? Yeah. She's 20 and doesn't know anything about community yeah. building. Yeah. And you're making assumptions about who I am based mm-hmm. on nothing. Yeah. But the, how we both walked into this space. So exactly. I can only assume that it's about my blackness because, you know, I know I'm a pretty cool person to hang around. <laughs> so it's not anything that I'm overtly doing to you to repel you. Yeah. Um, so I'm only going to assume that the reason that you've assigned her more agency is because of her color. Yeah. So as the so native culture has to watch yeah. how they're giving up their own power to my these condition. people. You know, like it's that, um, that from the, I, I'm looking on the movie where they talked about conditioning. 
Mm-hmm. You know, my, my conditioning has conditioning. I'm a victim of 400 years of con- conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so oftentimes, you know, we, even before we even realize we're doing it, yep. we're, you know, um, kowtowing to them, mm-hmm. you know, to those people, which mm-hmm. I feel like I like to say. But, um, uh, man, like, all right, so a couple other things I wanted to touch base on and before um, um, before we had to cut off. So there's work with the um, Burnham Wildlife Corridor that mm-hmm. you guys have done, that the, um, SK, the SKSL has done. Um, like, still, like, there's still so many more questions about standing rock yeah. that I want to ask. 75, part two, 25. Yeah, you will have to come back. Yeah. Come, back, right come back to me. <laughs> yeah. um, but, all right, do you want to, yeah, you know, we'll touch on that stuff later. Yeah. So what's new? What's on the horizon? The um, uh, Is First Fridays? First Friday Space Share. Yeah. Tell um, us about that program yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So the Space Share program, of course, you know, there's like the whole, you and I were talking about it. Um, yeah. The, the need for dynamic um, co-work, space share um, places, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I'm not enough. I don't pretend to be enough of all of what my community needs. Um, I have a singular focus in that, not so singular, but, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of work that needs mm-hmm. to get done. And there are not a lot of safe spaces for this type of work to take place because I'm in a weird kind of intersection of like, you know, the climate culture, mindful leadership, and that heartfelt leadership is what I'm really um, interested in. And there are tons of practitioners that mm-hmm. are within the community that need brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've always shared space. We've just kind of kept it in the down low. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who come here that use it for workshops and, com- you know, mm-hmm. many retreats and workshops. We've always opened up our doors for these practitioners. Yeah. The environmentalist color held our first anniversary here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the CSLN has used it as a hub. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Healers of Color have yeah. used it as a hub. There's so many different, and small vendors, you know, mm-hmm. we've had our Green Friday every yeah. year, yeah. and have invited vendors to come in and share the space with yeah. us. So we just wanted to be more intentional in that. So we're kicking off our Space Share program, um, and our first Friday of the month is an opportunity for those Space Shares to come together and just like you know, we all practitioners also need a safe space to like, you know, put their swords and shields down, yeah. <laughs> and and not have to be responsible for everything. Um, so as we open up the space for different people to share, we have a space calendar. Uh, we have an annual membership fee that gives you um, thirty five dollars, mm-hmm. and and we can rent space here for fifteen dollars an hour, which we think is just like. Yeah, um, if you have a two-hour program, that's thirty dollars for your two-hour program to run. Yes. Yeah. You know, so it's nothing, and we want to keep it that way because yeah. I don't want to alienate the people in the community who need it the most, yeah. and I don't want you to have to go and and kiss the University of Chicago's ass. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to kiss. Yeah. You know, all of these higher mm-hmm. organizations that kind of get yeah, all yeah. of the. Accolade, yeah. the accolades and the attention, um, and then the smaller vendors who really need it, and the practitioners who are really probably on the front lines doing the hardest mm-hmm. of the work, don't have any resources to contribute a hundred dollars to a space every time they want to yeah. do something. Yeah. So, um, yeah. my um, one of my Facebook memories today was uh, one of the very one of the um, the um, winter one of the uh, winter uh, uh, 
bazaars that you had here. Oh, yeah. It's like a few years ago. Like, I think this was probably five years ago. My my um, older girl, Lizzie, she was she didn't even have glasses at yeah. the time. She's got to be about four or five years ago. Yeah, she was you know, tiny. Yeah, oh, no. And they sat at the little kids. She wasn't, wasn't quite tiny. But tiny, they were, but... <laughs> tiny in comparison now. The last time they I saw them, like, they were much bigger. Yeah, but, they were uh, big, you know, like always bigger than the other kids, but like, you know, they're tiny compared to now. But mm-hmm. like, I was looking at it, like, oh, she doesn't even have her glasses. That was so long ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was literally like four, four years, years ago. ago? Yeah, because we ago. did that our first year. Yeah. Um, and second year, I don't think we did... The first three years, we didn't do it last year because yeah. now everybody's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, our space is, we do it in such a small way that these bigger spaces, like I don't want to tear people or compete. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's a bigger organization that's doing it and mm-hmm. there are more vendors, just go there and support that yeah. instead of yeah. drawing those people away from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we've always done it. We just want to be like more intentional. <laughs> one other thing that I'm going to ask, um, you know, I think I'm going to start asking this in every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked uh, Sarah this: um, what What is an environmentalist to you? Like, environmentalist. Yeah, like you, know, cause <sighs> you talk about sustainability, and there's yeah. you know, sustainability is one thing. Environmentalism is considered something different. Resiliency, green, and all you know, like all that. See, kind of I, stuff. Have a, so I have, you I have, I have. Consider yourself an environmentalist. I don't. I consider I. When I first started the program, I was taking kids through the forest preserve and the park districts, and mm-hmm. we we're doing the stewardship work and mm-hmm. the beach cleanups with the Alliance for the Great Lakes, another great organization to give to. Um, no. <laughs> Alliance for the Great Lakes. We we're doing beach cleanups there, and uh, then we were. Sarah Neville's good people. Like Sarah, beautiful. Yeah. Katie Larson, all of them are great, great people. Um, and uh, then we were also doing the bikeable, walkable stuff mm-hmm. with uh, um, with the Light Active Trans Alliance mm-hmm. and and doing the, yeah. we were doing weatherization yeah. workshops and uh, with uh, CETA? was it CETA? No, it was um, it was uh, God. We were getting uh, C three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kristen Pratt and that yeah. private project over there and. Um, and so we were kind of like building this bridge of like, how do you cover it all? Of a very prominent and well-established sustainability leader over programs in Chicago stood right there over there in that space and said, you can't do both. You've got to pick. Don't want to say their name? No. All right. I will leave. I will, tell I'll, me off the air. Yes, I'll tell you <laughs> off the air. And I looked at her and I was just her. And I looked at her and I cocked my head and I'm just like, but it's all the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like when I have arguments with, you know, people from the African-American community that think that people from the African-American community should not be at Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and we have different fish to fry. And all of these mm-hmm. things that people try to do, we live in a very fragmented, segmented mm-hmm. kind of reality where I see it all as from the same systemic, you know, it's all from the same system of oppression. It's all from the same system of, of, of whole planet wellness. Mm-hmm. So to say that I am either a sustainer or yeah. an environmentalist kind of cuts me in half because yeah. it's yeah. all the same thing to yeah. me. It's not... There's nothing separate about that. I'm a part of the environment that I'm in. Yeah. Human beings drive the health of the planet. Mm-hmm. So my sustainable behavior is 
the environmentalist in me. It yeah. just I don't see it as There's a different no thing. So I I can't answer that question righteously. I don't think I'm an environmentalist. I don't think I'm a sustainer. I think I'm a planetary human being that needs to give a shit about all of it. Yeah. And yeah. and until we can get to the place where we need to to like for this thing that we're in right now, there is no title that is encompassing enough of it. Yeah. Yeah. for us to really get all the roles that we need to be playing in order to make this right. Yeah. Um, professionally, you can put that in a whole bunch of different titles. I, yeah. I tend to think I'm more of an urban ecologist if I'm going to put it in any sort of like, yeah. but then that leaves all of my spirituals, you know, sociology yeah. work out of it. So it's like, for me, I'm a human being that yeah. gives a shit. Is that I, don't think can, I don't think yeah. the answer can be any more righteous than that. Right. Man, I think that like we, the might, this might be the best place to cut it yeah. off. Yeah, so I think this is a good natural because <laughs> yeah. there's so much more we can yeah, talk but no, about. Stop. But we're, we're, gonna, gonna stop. Yeah, we're definitely going to schedule another. <laughs> yeah. and I've got to get ready. Well, for, thank you yeah. all so much for having me. This well, has been fun. Thank you for taking time for us. I mean, you're always. I know you're always you're busy. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you um, hosting us here at the lab. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe one day we'll come back and like just kind of sit back in the background at a, um, an event. And kind of. Um, yeah, please. You know, yeah. yeah. First Friday's coming up. Yeah. We're, tr- we're, we're trying to keep that off the books, but for anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're welcome <laughs> to be first here. Fr- um, first Fridays of every month. So like when this goes on, it'll be first Friday of, of January yeah, or yeah, February. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming <laughs> on. Oh, awesome. yeah. You know, the only oh, sh- a Dusable moment. The Dusable. So, yes. you know, one of our hashtags, you know, for social media is, you know, Dusabling. Have we explained that to you? No. Oh. Okay. So you, you know Wait, what Columbusing listen. is, right? Yes. So Dusabling is the exact opposite of, Dus- of Columbusing. I love it. Right? Columbusing is when they take, you know, like stuff that people of color have been doing yes. for generations and they're like, oh, this is our thing now. Like, hey, we like... Um, or, but we give favorite. it our own name. Yeah. yeah. So it's Dusabling. Yeah. Can you give me an example of Dusabling? So Dusabling is... The, the That's the term that we're using when we take back what comes from people of color. So, you know, like, as we as we move forward, we, you know, like, I'm one of, in, in our very first episode, we gave mad props to Oren Williams. Oh, who, yeah. You know, is really the father of urban agriculture in yeah. the Chicago area. Yeah. I'd go so far as to say the grandfather. Right? Yeah. Like he never receives that um, that recognition because um, he's not the type to put himself out there like mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Dusabling is uh, Hazel Johnson being honored with the um, 130th Street Drive sure. being named in her honor yeah. um, instead of, you know, Aaron Brockovich having a movie. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> at some point in time somebody's got to smarten up and you know, give Hazel a movie because that's the real deal. Like, Aaron Brockovich stumbled upon something. This woman, you know, Hazel Johnson started a movement. You know, like, anybody operating in environmental justice right now, and I don't care what you say, Robert Ballard, you know, anybody operating in environmental justice has Hazel Johnson to thank for it. Yes. I don't care. You know, like, yes. Sarah and I got into an argument about this <laughs> the other, in the last episode. You know, it's, it's, it's just what it is. So, um... Yeah, Dusabling is us taking back our stuff. At some mm-hmm. point in time, we're going to figure out a way to go back and get jazz and rock and roll. And yeah. Just, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's all ours because yeah. it all came from us. So, yeah. I, you know, when people say, well, again, that segmentation doesn't make sense to me because it all flowed out of yeah. all of our people. So, yeah. um, that's funny. And I'll leave this with one thing. There, My girlfriend and I just sat and had this raucous 
conversation because we were leaving Standing Rock and we went to this little town um, to get like food, real, because we'd just been eating like almost, yeah. you know, living off of granola bars and stuff and yeah. peanut butter. Um, and then we went to get food and while we were standing waiting for our, for, you know, our table to get ready, this white man walked up to my daughter and he kind of appeared out of nowhere and it was very strange. And he's just like, oh my God, how long does it take you to get, do your braids? Cause my daughter's really long yeah. braids. And my daughter, he's like, what is like four days? And she's like, no, just like maybe about eight hours. He's like, do you wash your hair? And my daughter was just like, she cut me that look and I was just like, please don't do anything. Because my daughter, my daughter is very known for her, like, you know, Bye. no, you know, she <laughs> might just say no and shake her hair at you. And, you know, but she said, no, uh, she says, yeah, of course I wash my hair. You know, any more questions? Yeah. And so the guy was just like, you know, he's like, I just think it's so beautiful. And he walked away and we all just kind of looked at each other. We left the restaurant because yeah. we were just like, we don't want to be zoo animals in here. Yeah. So the whole thing is about just glancing at us mm. and that aggressive white glancing yeah. that's always taking place whenever we're like a minority in any mm. place. Yeah. So we designed this thing was what does black glancing look like? Hmm. So what kind of like really stupid questions can we walk up to white people and ask them about who they are? <laughs> what kind of just blatantly ignorant things yeah. can we say to you to get you to understand when those questions are directed at us? How ridiculous. But it's like, what can we do to like reverse that? Because even in my own space, I had, you know, a white woman who I know and I'm very familiar with. I've known her throughout the, you know, yeah. about you might say five years now and she walked up to me and you know my hair is down which I don't normally do and she's like oh my god and she literally rested her oh arms on my shoulder and was like I could just feel this all day and I'm like etu Brutus etu <laughs> you know, like, how could you be her I thought yeah. you were somebody else you know yeah. and it's just but how can I flip that? What would be the absolute most ridiculous thing that we can make assumptions about them? Yeah. I think we just got to start just walking up and touching just their like, hair. Just like, can I touch your hair? Or, well, you, you know, know that, and that's just it. Is they don't go walking around e touching each other's they white don't. women's hair. So they it's don't. Not like, so know, like, and I, there's nothing about my curiosity <laughs> about white people that I have not... I mean, we don't have hyper-curiosity about them because they're everywhere. Yeah. They're in our advertisements and they're on television. Yeah. They're, you know, we're saturated in who they yeah, are. Exactly. So we don't have hyper-curiosity about them. We kind of know what we're dealing with when they walk in the room, but yeah. our culture is suppressed. So there's a hyper-curiosity about us because I'm sorry you haven't given us a chance to make any of us like yeah. superstars in a movie. Right. And that makes you curious about who I am. But, yeah, start, you know. Start asking if they hit. Did you catch that hockey game? Right. right just, <laughs> but see, but then you'd be like, yeah, man. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with that. That's the problem. You got you have, It has to be overt white black glancing. <laughs> it has to be something that is just really stupid. Is your so is your daughter on the cheerleading team? Like it has to be something really. Um, I lost count of the number of episodes, um, but we're we're going evergreen, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Number. So thank you all for um, tuning in with us. Thank you, Tony, for having us. Absolutely, thank Juanita, you. Thank you so much for uh, being an yeah. host and getting this all started. Yeah, um, so. thank you.
This is this is it. This might be the last episode. We got the you know we got the, uh, the this was the great white will of um, of uh, Gus. Like we knew we wanted Tony from the first episode. That's we hysterical. Got it, so like, podcast out. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, um, no, no, we're, we're still going. We'll talk to you guys next time. Where um, in twenty seventeen? Yeah, yes. twenty seventeen. Happy, Happy New Year. Goodbye, twenty sixteen. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs>